It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6, 1998. Goldberg captured the gold. We look back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new... World Order of Wrestling, brother! Welcome everyone to Reliving the War. Yes, we are slightly late this month. Uh, we're covering the April pay-per-view and I'm well aware that it is March, but hey, look, stuff happens and we finally it's, catch it's up. It's May. Yeah, you said I know, it's right? March. Did I say it's March? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm still living in Wrestle. I'm still living in WrestleMania 15. We are playing catch up a little bit here, and it is the WCW edition of Reliving the War, where we go back and rewatch the Monday Night Wars and relive it, or in the case of our good buddy Owen Jones, live it for the first time as we welcome him back to the pod. Owen, how are we going? Hello, my friends. Um, I'm good. As I, I was just saying to you before we started, I am. Somewhat unwell, so I sound very um five thirty to nine o'clock uh AM radio station uh announcer, which I won't mind. And we won't have the annoying callers either talking about toothpaste. <laughs> but um I'm feeling good. Uh full cannon, it's uh quarter past nine on a Sunday morning, and we're all still in our gym jams. Mm-hmm. And it feels <laughs> like a good way to record a podcast. <laughs> yeah. We are just um, hours away from, well, we're an hour away from uh, WWE <laughs> Backlash in Puerto Rico. So we're going to rip through Spring Stampede 1999 as we start off with e- the opening video, which looks like the opening to a video game on PS1. 1999 was a really different kind because of, I think, do you reckon, Simon, this is like, hey, look, it's the uh, it's the dawn of the millennium. We've got to start looking futuristic. It's interesting. WCW kept doing that. They kept trying to, like, do what they thought would be the 2000s, you know? Like, there might as well be flying cars uh, in some of these (laughs) videos. I will say, like, we can't keep saying how much better the WWE ones, especially considering the amazing WrestleMania 15 showcase Mm -hmm. of the Immortals video was. But WCW aren't even trying. There's no voiceover. We don't know what we're meant to be looking at. It's just some highlights. Again, it yeah, it could be the intro to a PS1 wrestling game. You like so for me it felt like it was like a test run for a new Thunder or Nitro like title sequence. Because it felt very like weekly TV. Like as you said, very similar to like um a video game. But yeah, for me, it felt like they were trying to test like a new sequence for Thunder or Nitro. What you'll actually see just within this pay per view, and I will say that I I'm going to disagree with you in in uh, in that WCW aren't trying. I think they're doing the exact opposite. They're trying too much. They're trying literally everything because later on we'll see it even a different video package where it looks like they're trying to challenge. Uh, 
Channel Terminator 2 and um, the T-1000 sort of look, but at least they're trying their best. And this is actually the first pay-per-view of the new WCW Spaceship logo era, or as Eric Bischoff calls it, the backside of a cat logo era. Um, we Once again, we start off with the stop down at the top of the show where, with the rundown of the card, which is a stacked card, we got to admit, but uh, we've talked about how it just kills all momentum at the start. So let's just get straight into the match because it's Blitzkrieg versus Hoovertude Guerrero. Blitzkrieg is from the Cosmos, and it, he, it's just funny because the announcers have a bit of fun with it because it's like, maybe that's next to Parts Unknown. Maybe there's this, maybe there's that. But um, the thing that I find really funny is that Blitzkrieg has absolutely... If you haven't seen any WCW programming, this is the first pay-per-view that you're going to watch. There's no backstory to why he's getting the match. None of this stuff. It's a good match. Don't get me wrong. Fantastic match. But I, like probably everyone else, was just like, who the hell was Blitzkrieg? You don't remember Blitzkrieg. To me, Blitzkrieg is in the same category as like Super Calo and, you know, just some of those random luchadors who would show up. Blitzkrieg had a bit of a moment there. He'd show up for these matches and you'd be like, wow, this guy's pretty good. I Googled him to find out mm-hmm. what happened to him uh, and where he was from. I thought, oh, maybe he went back to Mexico. He definitely wasn't Mexican, uh, which I oh, didn't yeah? know until, you know, yesterday. His name is Jeremiah Ross. So <laughs> definitely not from Mexico. But even on his Wikipedia, it only says he is from the cosmos. So we don't really know... Uh, where he was from. He just showed up in WCW for a cup of coffee and then disappeared after 1999. Never did anything again. Blitzkrieg clearly on my list of rando WCW cruiserweights falls well below Cyclope. Uh, oh, Cyclope <laughs> is another good one. King and Jamie Noble as a member of the Young Dragons. <laughs> I will say credit to WCW. This match, I clocked it. Uh, the entrances started 3.5 minutes in. That mm-hmm. is a record because mm. they've been waiting six minutes, seven minutes. Let's go to Mean Gene. Let's go to this guy. Let's go to JJ Dillon. Three and a half minutes, starting with some luchador, you know, cruiserweight action. This was a better start than usual. It was a hell of a match, too. Blitzkrieg brought it, and Hoovertude Guerrero is still in his... He, because, obviously, he's been unmasked for a while now, so every, he's part of the furniture, and I kind of agree when you see how the Cruiserweights went after Eric Bischoff took all their masks off, why he wanted to unmask them, because he's a good-looking dude. He's got, like, juices, juice for real on his backside. The crowd's getting into it. This is an absolute hot opener. Yeah, um, yeah, I was gonna say, you know, it was it was, a, it was quite a fun little opener, and the crowd was super hot for it. I mean, being first match in, they always will be, but they stayed hot for all of it. And the match went to tick over ten minutes anyway. Um, yeah, they did some pretty great spots. Got a little bit messy, but like you know, otherwise, it's exactly what you want, and that's what the cruisers were there for. You know, they were to to open the show. That was that little bit of high risk, and you know high risk, high energy and high reward kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I thought this, I, I've never heard of Blitzkrieg before. Um, also because I'm a baby, but um, yeah, I'd never heard of him before. Um, and as Simon said, I couldn't really find anything much about him either. Um, yeah. Didn't do much in wrestling after um, 99. He retired in 04 and that was it. 
Um, so yeah, that was yeah, pretty fun little opener. No, nothing, nothing real negative to say about it. Yeah, the great end, showcase end for couple too. of minutes, especially, and yeah, Hoovy was super over. But the last few minutes, Blitzkrieg goes for a, a Phoenix splash. We haven't really seen that in American wrestling at this point. He might have been the first person to do it on a pay per view. Um, they missed something off the top rope, but then they hit it later. I think it was like that giant victory roll off the top. But then yeah. they go even further, and Hoovy wins with a super Hoovy driver off the top rope, where it looks like Blitzkrieg just went head first into the mat. It was an amazing yeah. finish. It did get a bit sloppy in the end, but it didn't matter. Like a very fun start, and for me, even better than some of the other cruiserweight matches that have started in the past few months. And I want to point out, from the start, the commentary was on point for this show. They were in a much better mood. Yep. Their chemistry from the start, Bobby, Tony, and Tanae, sounded like they were having fun, and it carries through the whole show, and it started in this match, I thought. Even their quips all sort of um, feed off each other, which is really good to see as well. And one thing that I did love about WCW, because obviously with a lot of these, like, outside contracted talent that would come in for the cruiserweight matches you would get a little bit sloppy but they used to always reinforce the fact that the reason that mistakes happen is because these are high risk moves and and i always appreciated that growing up that you know they said that yes these are you know these botches are all part of the story because they're hard moves to do otherwise everyone would be doing them which i always thought was the one thing that wcw did right by their cruiserweights to show that when there was something that went horribly wrong it was just like well this is why we say this is high-risk wrestling, da-da-da-da-da. Um, next up, we get a real change of pace because we have highlights of the feud between Hack, Raven, and Bam Bam Bigelow. Now, Hack here comes out with Chastity, who is Raven's sister in storylines. Bam Bam Bigelow then comes out with a whole a bunch of plunder and whatnot. And all I got to say is that Sandman then meets him at the entrance and the brawl just starts off in the set. And... I love this. This is like it's a garbage '99 hardcore match. But if you were if, if you were like our age back in the Attitude Era, this is the sort of stuff that you loved seeing every single time. Yeah, and I'll agree with that. Um, normally, I'm not the biggest fan of these kind of matches. This was way better than the WWE versions we've seen in uh, the past few months. Just yep. the energy was different, and it is a bit sloppier and looser. And obviously, this is Bam Bam Bigelow and Sandman, a.k.a. Hack. They've had the experience from ECW. But within two minutes, there's a dive off the stagecoach because it's Spring Stampede. They've got the, the Western set, which looked amazing. But two minutes in, you've got that dive through a table, and then it's just nonstop dumb weapons and fun commentary. At one point, Hack gets thrown into a trolley on the outside and for some reason does a full flip and lands on his head and goes back first into the trolley. Um, Tony Schiavone doing his normal Schiavone thing is saying, why would you hit him with a trash can? That doesn't hurt a lot. And then Bam Bam throws it full force into Hack's head and Bobby and Mike just lay into Tony. And they're like, oh, that wouldn't hurt, would it? <laughs> you know, This match was a and, and lot I'll of fun. It was so good. And I love that the array of weapons that they had too. Like there's a part where uh, where Sandman has a salad bowl and he puts <laughs> yeah. it on, and 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 they're just like, did they go to catering? It, it, you're right, it's a lot of fun. And Bobby Chastity... says the salad bowl is a giant monocle from someone's <laughs> eye, and it's just yeah. everyone's just having fun. It's good. 
Chastity even gets involved as well, too. I love how she's just filling the ring with all these weapons. She sets tables up and stuff like this. And it all makes sense as well. Like, all of this, it's no, there's no obvious, like, oh, we're putting this up because we're going to do this later. It's actually a well-constructed garbage match, if that makes sense. But, uh, Owen, what, what did you think, especially seeing this is your, your second um, real exposure to hack? Yeah. Uh, what, did you, what, did, what did you think of uh, this match and the presentation? He's not much different than Sandman, is he? He's the same <laughs> kind of guy. But um, yeah, I thought it was quite fun. Um, a fun thing to note was the only pinfall for the match was the end was the finish. Oh wow! Which That's I th- cool. yeah, which I think was great. It was yeah. just endless weaponry, which I think was a little bit different and a little bit, you know, adds a little bit more excitement, I guess, to it. Um, because obviously we expect pinfalls throughout the match, but yeah, as a viewer, it's like, oh, it's one and done. I think it was kind of cool. Um, did you guys notice that Chastity didn't know how to use the fire extinguisher? That yeah. was great. And did do you think Bam Bam just thought on the spot and uh, like sort of ad libbed yeah, that? He, he just, just took went, it off her and sprayed business, her. Yeah, and got yeah. a huge pop for it though. Who doesn't love the fire extinguisher spot? Yeah, and also pro- props to um to Hack for going up the top to do a guillotine leg drop and nutting himself on the guardrail. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like, on, no on thanks. The- on the topic of guardrails, I've never seen guardrails launched with such gusto than in this wow. match. Like, like you want to talk about stupid weaponry use. Both Sandman and Bigelow were just launching these things like they were baking trays. <laughs> yeah, this was wild. Honestly, a very fun start to the show. And this was the good that sort of we've missed on these pay-per-views for a while, where WCW would just have these different styles back-to-back on a pay-per-view and it worked. We had, you know, Lucha, Cruiserweight action. Then we go straight to garbage wrestling. And it worked. The crowd was into both equally. And what a finish. Can I just say, the greetings from Asbury Park off the top rope through a table. Yeah, like, bro. God no, damn. thanks. Uh, hack, hack even keeping the white Russian leg sweep, I thought, was a nice touch as well. You're right. It's just basically someone's, oh, and someone's just basically got control C, control V, and like, uh, I better rename that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, we can't use your name, so I don't know. We'll pick a really crappy sounding one. <laughs> um, well, I, I would, I would like to point out something that um that Heenan said after in his world famous um highlight. His recall. replay recaps. He's at the oh best. Oh my god! <laughs> possibly be the the most politically incorrect these days, but um. It was uh, Heenan was um, re- uh, recalling when Bigelow shot the fire extinguisher up Chastity's skirt, and um, he says uh, he, he says it'll put out anything where f- any any sorry it will put out any fire where you smell smoke. And I thought <laughs> Shivani was going to explode. <laughs> you know, I'll credit to Shivani, he didn't derail it. He actually just laughed. He seemed to be in a better mood than usual. Because they had a yeah. great exchange after that too, where Tony was like, "Yeah, you know, don't try this in your backyard." And Bobby just and Hannah goes, it. "Do it in your living room." Do instead. it in your living room instead. Yeah. They all just died. <laughs> like it's good to see that Tony wasn't derailing the jokes as usual and running with it. Yeah, yeah wet blanket, blanket <laughs> yeah. Tony. Exactly. Um, on the topic of wet blankets, we get oh. to our next match, which is Scotty Riggs versus Mikey Whipwreck. And I'll I'll give WCW credit; they. 
they've gone pretty well far into this paper without having the usual snooze fest match. But to to the point, like this was at least short and sweet. Now the crowd was really, really hot here, and Mikey Whipwreck got the upper hand to start off because they were really getting all in on Whipwreck at this point in time. But I completely have blanked the Scotty Riggs as Val Venus esque in WCW ninety nine. Did you ever remember that, Simon? I don't remember this. I feel like they were getting desperate with Scotty Riggs and they kind of reverted back to, you know, the American males version because him and Buff mm-hmm. were kind of doing this kind of the when shtick, they were a tag yeah. team. Yeah. What, what's hilarious because it's WCW and they have their weird rules about censorship and whatever. Every time you did the gyration, you know, Rick Rude, Val Venus taunt, did you notice they never showed anything below the waist? Yeah. Just see his... <laughs> hands on his head and a weird look on his face and they're like oh, oh what's he doing which somehow makes it look even worse <laughs> yeah, kind of. yeah, look way worse um uh, Riggs does take control with with a bit more fighting to the outside as well but um it, it's a this match starts off hot like the crowd is into it because they've just had two ripper matches but there's a mild boring chant as well yep. it, it basically just sums up that maybe this was a nitro match. A nitro match, I'd say WCW Saturday night. Saturday best. night. This was, <laughs> can I just say, Mikey Whipwreck takes a bump off the apron back first, so like a blind bump into the guardrail and just smashes his head on it. That That is not worth it in a match with Scotty Riggs. Like, yeah. Why would you do that? No one cares. <laughs> Don't kill yourself. Anyway, Riggs yeah, for- wins for some reason. Yeah, it was it was weird. I, I've I've just written here. Riggs gets a surprising win in a nothing match, and that basically sums it up because yeah. nothing really came of it. You could put this match on WCW worldwide if you really wanted to, <laughs> and have Scott Hudson commentate it, and and it would do uh, pretty much the same thing. Uh, we'll move on to a a blood feud between Conan and Disco Inferno, which gets the world's quickest hype video. Blink and you miss this. Now, if I can remember correctly, this was all because. Uh, Disco Inferno refused uh, to let Conan's music video play on Nitro one week. Yeah, I'm so annoyed this happened in WCW because if this was WWE, they would have shown us the uh, the <laughs> disco parody of Conan's song. It's pretty funny. And it's a shame we didn't get to see all of it. But yeah, a, a kind of an underrated WCW moment was Disco feuding with Conan and making fun of his, uh, his film clip. Um, so- if I can remember correctly, Simon, so basically, Owen, it just if you want to look it up on a Nitro or something like that, it's basically Conan's video, like the normal Conan video, um, yeah. except it's got Disco Inferno green screened like over the top doing, like pretending that he's in it. And it's just like, you say what you will about Disco Inferno. The one thing that guy does well is cheese. And it's, <laughs> it's the best. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up. And it's, one I, of the, it's one of the. Mm. I was going to say, like, once the match starts, you think, oh, what a silly feud, that silly music video. Conan gets a giant pop again. <laughs> like, Conan, <laughs> even without the Wolfpack, has been able to parlay that into just being super over. They're in Tacoma, Washington, and the crowd is still bowdy bowdy and rowdy rowdy and just love all of his, you know, rubbish. Especially since, like, I don't look. I'm sure that like any anyone Hispanic out there probably picked up every single word that Conan was saying in his pre-match promo, but it made zero sense, and the crowd was all in on it. <laughs> all in on it. And then when Disco gets in the ring, 
He's wearing a silver shiny shirt, a cowboy hat that's also silver, and camo pants, maybe to make fun of Conan. And Conan gets on the mic again and calls him straight up Strawberry. And the crowd, (laughs) I tried Googling what I'm assuming I know what he's implying or what that means. I couldn't find it anywhere on what that insult actually meant at the time. But anyway. What about when Conan calls Disco a scrub, and then you have the commentary team trying to d- debate what a scrub is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, can I just say, both of them in camo pants, this would not happen in the WWE. Vince McMahon would have said, you're not wearing the same outfit. You're, you know, heel and face. Don't do that. But they yeah. both look like alternate attires for Guile from Street Fighter. Which I, re- I read... I read the same thing here. They must be buying pants at the same outlet mall. They, it looks like a Mortal Kombat mirror match. Oh, there you go. Or it looks like a 2023 indie show in front of 30 people. <laughs> Man, can I just say, though, this match, and I've been a fan of Disco's matches every time we see him and not a fan of Conan's matches. Disco brought out the best of Conan. I really enjoyed yeah. this match. Over in here, this match slaps surprisingly good. Conan has the full crowd backing. Disco even kicks out of the one eight seven as well, which was which is funny because like I don't think anyone's done that, but it got no response. I think the one eight seven was a new move still though. Like it wasn't his main right. finisher yet, but the one eight seven, the cradle DDT, that's a good move. Like Conan, yeah. you know, give him credit there. And I know these guys are good friends. It felt like they were working harder than usual. And the ending sequence especially, where they did, you know, all of those fancy reversals of the um the chart buster or whatever they're calling it now. The last the, dance now. The yeah. last dance, the stunner. That was really good too. And then when Conan hit his one and got the pin, the crowd went absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another Bobby the Brain Heenan little thing. I love how he referred to it as the chart buster and then the commentary team insanely corrected him because for a while I was just like, when that, when did he start calling it the last dance? Was it like one of those Mandela effects with Ultimate Dragon? That's what I was really <laughs> thinking of. But uh, no, this was a, a ripper match, surprisingly great. And yeah, this so far, aside from the Whipwreck and Scotty Riggs match, which was short and sweet at least, this has been a fire pay for you. And then that it only gets more because we then go to a Kidman and Mysterio hype video. It's one of the better ones too, uh, because it really did make both Kidman and Mysterio look like a million bucks and on par with, um, you know, like one of the heavy hitters. Like cruiserweights were always consigned to being where they're the filler, they're the they're the entree matches. But these this video made Kidman and Mysterio look like bona fide stars, don't you reckon? Yeah, absolutely. Um I think that's and that was the thing too, like a, a lot of people don't really un, like realize I, I I feel like people these days, or at least people my age or a bit younger don't realize how good Billy Kidman was. Mm. Obviously everyone knows how good Mysterio is because he's about so to wrestle in half an hour you know <laughs> but like it's um yeah like I, I, i'll be saying it f- for as long as i've been doing this show with you guys like billy kidman is one of my favorite wrestlers because he's super underrated but he really did carry this division on his back for like 18 to 24 months Kidman even extended that um like basically like he and because ray mysterio moved away from the cruiserweight division 
um, like, like how basically the last couple of years of uh, WCW, Ray and Cruiserweights had nothing to do. Like he was mixing it up with the heavyweights, wasn't he, Simon? Yeah, they'd only bring him back sort of right at the end when they started the Cruiserweight Tag Division. Tag, yeah. Um, but yeah, for a while, Ray wasn't really in that mix anymore. He would move on. But him yeah. and Kidman, they felt like the main event Cruiserweight guys, kind of how Eddie and Dean Malenko did before them. But this is sort of the newer era once it's, you know solidified that it's Ray and now Kidman as well. And yeah, one of the best video packages in WCW it had a voiceover. It explained the importance of the match. The crowd for this match, I thought because they've seen so many hot matches were a little bit slower to get into it, but they got them in the yeah. second half. Once the crowd was, you know, had the energy again, another great match. I can't believe how good this show was at this point. <laughs> I even wrote what a decent show so far, but I was scared that the main eventers were going to ruin it. And they didn't like the momentum carries, but they did so many good moves in this match. You can't even call it all. It's like, imagine all of the stuff that Ray and Kidman would do. They go through all of the, the classics here. They don't miss anything. That is sort of the other level too, of how good these guys are Kidman and Ray yeah. compared to other cruiserweights. There's none of that awkwardness or stalling or sloppiness. These guys are, you know, perfect, but it also doesn't feel too, convoluted or you know spot festy yeah yeah there's yeah. A, there's a real sort of that fine balance especially with ray mysterio and i guess kidman too where it looks like written, a fight but they're very smooth you know i've written this down it's all go 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 action spills to the outside both guys sort of seem to know each other and try to one-up each other each which makes sense since they're tag team partners in here uh, ray mysterio does an awesome hurricane runner there is just so much going on in this match um to the point where Bobby the Brain has to get a stupid line in about race cargo pants. Um, but that's just brain at the I moment. Mean, why was Ray wearing cargo pants as well? You can't <laughs> have three guys in a row wearing the same outfit. It's Someone 1999. Are you trying to tell me that you didn't have cargo pants and wear them all the time in 1999? Simon, <laughs> I was going to say, I was three and a half when this show was when this show was on, and I wore cargo pants like <laughs> yeah. every day in my life. So come on, man. That You're is right. just... I guarantee you yeah. I had cargo pants. I was probably yeah. wearing cargo pants watching the show when it went first. <laughs> exactly. I, I just want to I just want to point out one move like sequence that happened. Well, I, I just want to say Kidman doing a shooting star press off the apron blew oh, my yeah. mind and it still yeah. does. But also, yeah. um, oh when, oh when they re when Ray reversed the uh, a power bomb into a face buster, that was yeah. Sick. Oh, it's very, very cool. That was and, sick. I've never seen that before. And and another uh, another cool one too was Kidman going for the shooting star press because we've been conditioned to just have like shooting star press ends everything. That's all good. Yeah. But to knock Kidman off the top rope, like it it protects the move still, and then Ray gets a Frankenstein'er in there. It's it's like such a great any, and it just goes to show, like you were sort of saying, Simon. Everything that one person does, the other guy matches it by another level. And it was just, it's its so well paced. It didn't feel convoluted, as you said. And it's, this is just a great match. And one off, like this one, clearly match of the night for the, uh, for the time. It may be match of the night. I couldn't, I couldn't, I could, like when I got to this, one, I was like, well, well, you're not going to top this one. Like this was just so good. But yeah, let, let's get to the next match because we got um, a recap of Raven and Satin versus Benoit and Malenko. 
Now, we get some highlights from Nitro and Thunder of the feud where where you kind of have a, a sort of flock mini reunion when Raven and Satin team up get together. The Horsemen are heels, which is a hell of a turnaround from the last time that we've seen Benoit and Malenko. And we get to the match, which is Benoit and Malenko with Arn Anderson uh, taking on Raven and Satin. Now, Raven and Satin come out with a table. There's a real anti-horseman vibe in uh, in Washington here at the moment, which really caught me off guard because, like I said, we're so used to seeing Benoit and Malenko as the um, faces. And Raven and Satin, jeez Louise, like they were over as hell. Yeah, I thought this was, thank God for this, because it really brought Satin back. That feud with Jericho was terrible. In hindsight, watching it, they didn't have a single good match. Yep. Uh, it didn't really do much for anyone, but Saturn here reuniting with Raven as faces against the heel horsemen. My God, was the crowd into this. And I thought this match was very, very good. I feel like, you know, Saturn, especially again, they kind of fumbled after his great feud with Raven. He hasn't had a, a match as good as he normally would, but his chemistry with Malenko and Benoit, I forgot how good that was too. And even Raven. Raven's one of those guys when he's in there with, you know, someone like DDP or Benoit or here Malenko, man, Raven can go as well. And I thought this was like a classic style tag team match and it was nonstop. Like these guys yep. just absolutely went for it. It's like they watched the last match and they thought, all right, cool. Well, we're going to have to really work for this. And they killed it. I love this match. Yeah. Charles Robinson is still uh, now because there's horseman involvement. Charles Robinson is the crooked ref here. He's part of his little nature sort of thing. So there is some shenanigans um, as Malenko distracts him from a pin attempt. There's some great double team moves. Satin does an awesome DVD, but, but but Chris Benoit's headbutt breaks up the pin attempt. Like it just goes to like you sort of said, Simon. They're just trying to one up the match before it, trying to come up with new innovative sort of things. The hot tag to Raven as he clears house, as Satin takes out Malenko and a chair drop toehold by, by Raven. Like this match just kicks it up a notch. And you're right. Raven is one of those guys too. When he's on, he's on. Mm -hmm. And good point too on Raven's hot tag, because we haven't seen Raven as a face up to this point in WCW. So the crowd getting into it was really good to see that it worked so easily. You know, it was a great match of levels and layers too. Um, yeah. They did really well, as you as Nims just pointed out, like, you know, um, introducing the chairs and the weapons, but like, and not even to like use drastically, but just as a bit of a leg up. Um, <clears throat> sorry. And, um, and, you know, and like using finishes as break, as like, as, you know, pin, as like pin breakups and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, that, that, as you said, that hot tag was monstrous. And as Simon just said, like, hearing, Seeing Raven as a face and the crowd reacting to that positively was really, really cool. Um, but, yeah, no, this was awesome. This was really, really cool, this match. I really enjoyed it. And cartoony um, heel manager Arn Anderson, I think, is better than <laughs> face manager Arn Anderson. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was great. Um, the end, too, where Benoit hits the headbutt from the top rope onto the chair, onto Raven, and then Malenko gets the cover was great. It looked painful for everyone. Oh, well, let, let's rewind just slightly because, like, 
it's not that the chair isn't randomly there as well. Like it's set up so perfectly because you've got the even flow on Malenko and then comes in to interfere, places the chair on Raven while he's doing the interference. So it's just like a great bit of little, because, you know, like WCW are very blatant with their like, oh, what's where did the chair come from? Like this was actually done so perfectly. And you're right. It did look like Benoit just almost decapitated himself there. Great finish. And I've actually written my, my last note of this match is, this is the match of the show so far. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we well, get so on I, to- I just got to say really quick, sorry. I will argue this till the end, till, till the day I die. Horseman music is still the best music in wrestling. Oh, it's what, what a song that one is. It, so gets, good. it gets me going so much. <laughs> Unless you're playing WCW Mayhem, where it's one of the only themes on the PlayStation version, so you'll hear you'll be hearing those little like horsey clops <laughs> every like even Ric Flair has that as his theme music in Mayhem, but uh, that that's my only gripe with the music. But uh, we'll quickly get to uh, a little thing that sets up the match between Scott Steiner and Booker T. Ric Flair has stripped Scott Hall of the U.S. title. There's highlights of the tournament, and we really see that Steiner and Booker T. This is a feud that is brewing. We also see Stevie Ray with the slapjack as well. We do. We see Stevie Ray. We also see some really convoluted storylines with Chris Jericho, where he's out of the tournament, but then he gets back in, but then he still loses, but then he has a rematch with Booker T. That's not part of the tournament, but then he loses that as well. I don't know what's going on or why they even had to show that. As a viewer who wasn't watching Nitro, like let's say, you could have just said, mm-hmm. we had a tournament and here are the final two guys. Why did they yeah. do all that? I have no idea. And then, even with all that, they're saying, you know, trying to make Jericho part of the feud and Stevie Ray, they have nothing to do with this match either. Neither of them show up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it does, it, it is good because at least you get yourself a nice clean little uh, final between um, Scott Steiner and Booker T. So Scott Steiner versus Booker T. This is one of those rivalries that only in hindsight that you realize how how much of a big part of WCW it is. But Crowd is absolutely loving Booker T. He is over as. Meanwhile, Scott Steiner in this is full big popper pump form, and I absolutely love it. He's intimidating the ring announcer during Booker's entrance. Smack talks the crowd, and the smack talking goes for ages, it seems. Oh, man, Scott Steiner milking it and being this kind of heel. He's terrifying, and what an amazing performer. He's letting people touch him and then yelling at them. Um, There's one great moment where some white trash couple, the guy's, like, yelling at Scott Steiner, but his wife is, like, caressing his chest. It is (laughs) hilarious, and there's, like, you know, some, like, little, you know, 15-year-old kids trying to pick a fight with Scott Steiner. He milks it, like you said, for ages before getting in the ring. Then when he gets in the ring, there's a moment where someone in the crowd heckles him. He runs back out and jumps the guardrail. If you were in the crowd in that moment, you would probably have a heart attack. What a scary, scary person. I would lay bricks. I'd be like, right, I had a good run. See you guys. (laughs) (laughs) But this is a a sensational match. And Booker T and Scott Steiner just seem to work so well together. Uh, Booker takes control early. Uh, Action spills to the outside. The crowd is so hot. And as I said, this is a very underrated feud and rivalry in WCW. There's also um, a bit of blatant healing from Scott Steiner. But I like that this time around, they actually, like, explain it. There's a low blow that's directly in front of the ref. 
But I think Mike Tanay actually goes and says, oh, the ref chooses to ignore it because they don't want the um, the, the final of the tournament to be decided in a DQ. And I thought yeah. little touches like that. You're right. The commentary team was just on point this uh, this entire pay-per-view. And they also argued that the referee was so scared of Scott Steiner, he wouldn't want to DQ him either. One of the greatest nut shots ever, though. So <laughs> he's got Booker T down. He stands him up then runs off the ropes and just kicks him in the balls. I've never seen that. It's all about the ferocity and the um and the exhaloration. Yeah. 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 Imagine imagine getting Rochambeau with the full force of Scott Steiner behind you. Like that yeah, is with, with with his um with his medically enhanced legs and quads. Oh yeah. man. And can yeah. we just- be sent They'd be sent up through your mouth and out your body. (laughs) Can I just Um, say the crowd doing the steroid chant to Scott Steiner was always funny in this era because the commentary team never knew how to address it. They'd be like, oh, the crowd getting under his skin there, and that was a bad hit. What can you say? Not the only thing getting under his skin, eh, son? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll say. Now... There's some pretty good ref bumps in this match too. Like I didn't write down who the ref was, but he's take he's really getting his money's worth here. Oh yeah, there's a moment where Scott Steiner drags him in front of him, and him and like Scott and Booker T basically sandwich the ref. And then it happens again when he gets up. I do like the double ref bump they would do sometimes. It seemingly in a lot of Scott Steiner matches where the ref would get knocked down twice. I thought it was fun. Uh, this match, too, like we were saying, you know, Steiner is such a great heel. Booker is such a great, pure baby face. They've had chemistry from back in the tag team days. Now they're moving up to the mid card. To me, this is like classic pro wrestling, even their match. So there's a reason why these guys move to the main events quicker than some of the other mid carders. They wrestle the main event style. I know that's not really a thing anymore. Everyone does everything Everyone does, like yeah. these days in the 2020s. But there used to be a difference. And I think Booker T and Scott, as they evolved, wrestled a main event style. And this was it. You know, everything is more deliberate. Everything's about the big moves and building to, mm-hmm. you know, the moments. And it, it was a lot of fun. I know it ended with kind of, you know, foreign object, which takes some of the steam out of it. But again, Scott Stein is it- a heel. Why wouldn't he cheat? Yeah, exactly. And uh, Booker T kicks out of a Frankensteiner as well to get a two count. So it's not like, so that's why it kind of shows why Scott Steiner had to go, you know, do dastardly things. And he does use the foreign object to get the win. Counts, ref counts the three to get the US title. Another great match between Steiner and Booker T. And this is one that literally carries them throughout the dying months of WCW. Um, next up, it's Ray Mysterio at WCW.com doing one of those internet segments. And there's not much to mention, but can I just point out, What's with that weird CGI horse that was sort of like at the bottom of the screen? Did you see that? Well, it's Spring Stampede, you know, and that was the only graphic they could find on their computer. Exactly. Well, I'm going to play the horse. It was, only, it, was, it was the only clip art they could find. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. <laughs> um, next up, it is Nash versus Goldberg. The uh, and I've just put, we, we already talked about it at the top of the show, but WCW video packages were just something else this time. Uh, Nash is out with Elizabeth and Alex Luger. There is a great Goldberg sign, uh, you know, that has each different letter as G O, like that. I that really popped me because someone's gone to the effort to write it in Old English font, <laughs> which I thought was really, the pen, like, that, the penmanship is exceptional. I'm like, this is that's a lot of effort for that, boys. But um, did you find it funny too, Simon? That 
that Tony Schiavone and and the commentary team are basically crapping all over that Entertainment Weekly story. It was really weird because, of course, WCW would do that. They wouldn't just celebrate this great moment of, you know, mainstream press. They're like, ooh. The Entertainment Weekly asking why wrestling's hot. Like, why wouldn't it be? <laughs> like, yeah, they're just they're like, not going to want to work with you anymore. Why are you shitting oh. on them? They put Goldberg on the cover. Um, man, can I? The crowd reactions in this match, though, even for the entrances, Goldberg was still super over here, and Kevin Nash got a huge ovation too. They still Mega. love Kevin Nash. Doesn't matter that he rejoined, you know, the the heel NWO. They were into this. The only thing I didn't like was the video package because it didn't stress the importance that this is a rematch of Starcade, your biggest pay-per-view, and also yep. that Nash ended the streak. Like, I know they said it in the commentary, but the video package should have been all about it. This is the revenge of Goldberg. But anyway, they made up for it in the match, I thought. Commentary only mentions it once, too. They just sort of go, oh, like there's literally a throwaway line where it's like, oh, with 173 and one, Nash's name is in the one column, and that's basically it. Should like, be it more just... important than that. Yeah, uh, Nash does get the upper hand early. Goldberg, really, really like, I, I was shocked at how unlike a real Goldberg match this is because now, now that the allure of the streak is gone, he's sort of trying to wrestle normal matches, and it doesn't yeah. work for him. Yeah, he's trying. He's trying to. Be, he tried to become a work rate guy, and it's like you don't have the gas tank to be a work rate guy. See, I thought it wasn't bad with Goldberg selling for the first few minutes because the crowd was so into it still, and I thought Nash did a good job of like building to Goldberg's comeback. This was only seven and a half minutes or something, but this was a very fun seven and a half minutes, and this felt like the blueprint kind of match of what we would see later on with Goldberg's matches and some of Brock Lesnar's matches where you yeah. can have a fun match under 10 minutes if you just go absolute balls to the wall with big moves. Like, Goldberg is throwing Kevin Nash around at one point, yeah. you know, with uh, yeah. a suplex. Kevin Nash hits a leapfrog to dodge the spear, showing his athleticism. We get Lex Luger interfering with a chair. Once they build to that final sequence as well, the crowd is losing their goddamn mind. Yeah, and it's just so jarring to see Goldberg be looked to, to make it look like he's being humbled here. Like, because he's so not, you've just had two years where he's basically run through the entire roster. So it's very jarring to see him uh, be the work rate. Guy. Also jarring um, to see Goldberg because he's desperate and, you know, there's interference and yeah. he's got to mm -hmm. play dirty too. He claws Kevin Nash's yeah. <laughs> yeah. testicular claw. Yeah. He gives a he gives Nash of Kevin Nash an absolute scroll grip, <laughs> and, and and I got to say this too, if if Kevin Nash was about to give me a jackknife powerbomb, I'd bloody go for the same thing too. Like, there's no other way that was going to happen. Um, Goldberg, uh, I'm just going to written down here. Goldberg scroll grips Nash to avoid the powerbomb. Goldberg then takes out Luger, gives gets a jackhammer and a pin, and Goldberg gets the win. Everyone goes home happy. There you go. Yeah, kills him <laughs> with a spear, gets the jackhammer on Nash, who is gigantic. I, I just thought, I can't believe how fun this show is. Like, the variety, you know, Lucha, Tag, you know, Booker and Scott doing their thing, and Conan and Disco. Like, every match is a different type of good match. You know, yep. if you like one type of wrestling, maybe you won't like the whole show. But if you like variety, 
and a really good version of every type of pro wrestling, at this point, I was like, something's got to go wrong. Surely, yeah. like, in my mind, I was like, I don't remember the main event being good. And then the main event ended up being a pleasant surprise for me. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah when, well, like, when the when the only bad thing on this card is Scotty Riggs, you kind of know. Well, I knew I was going to expect that with Scotty Riggs. Well, well, when, <laughs> yeah, we Simon messes, when Simon messages the group chat going, this show is shockingly good, but I'm like, I'm waiting for a butt. <laughs> no, no butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we get we get to the main event. There's no Michael Buffer. It's just David Penza oh, yeah. uh, doing the intros. Hell? Um, oh, we get really, we get really quick, Nims. I'm so sorry. Can we just quickly mention the fact that when they were previewing the main event, Tony Schiavone thought the match was for tag titles. <laughs> Did he? Yes. I that. I'm fairly certain he made a mention that it was for tag titles, but it was indeed not. Yeah, that's just Tony Schiavone doing Tony Schiavone things, but uh. Absolutely. Um, so David Penzer introduces first off the special guest referee, which is midlife crisis Macho Man, oh, and he, up, comes out with, he comes out with gorgeous George. And I don't care what anyone says; I've got a soft spot for uh, for midlife crisis Macho. Oh man, just jacked up, slick back ponytail. Brother. He's got gorgeous George. He looks great, and um, what a transformation. Is he the first special referee to wear sunglasses for a whole match? I think he might be. <laughs> I, I think, think so. he might be. Um, David Penzer really puts the boots on. He doesn't give the... He, you want to talk about chalk and cheese between him and Michael Buffer when it comes to uh, doing intros. He just runs straight through like, here's Ric Flair, here's DDP, here's Hogan, <laughs> and here's Sting. All right, Mate. fight. <laughs> Brother gets um, paid by the minute, not the hour. Yeah, so um, so Ric Flair, Ric Flair and Sting sort of pair up, and Hogan and DDP do at the start, but it swaps really quickly. It's absolute chaos, uh, complete chaos to start with. And um, Sting, which I thought was really interesting, like Sting just looks like he wants to win. Like he's his psychology in this match, second to none. It's mm. fantastic. Yeah, he's going for the win a lot of the times because why wouldn't he? Um. I really like Sting in this era. I'm glad that he's over being the completely dark Sting. I mm -hmm. like this this, and like after this, where he kind of mixes the look of the Crow Sting, but he's a bit more fun, and he mixes in sort of the personality of the surface Sting again. Like, there were a few times yeah. here he's doing, you know, stinging up and beating his chest, and the crowd buys it every time. Him yeah. and DDP have a great exchange in this match. They would have some really good matches on TV as well. Hogan and Flair have good chemistry in this match because mm -hmm. the dynamic is what it should be. Hogan's playing face again and Flair's the heel. The way they shuffled and swapped opponents in this match was really good. I, I don't know why I remembered this match not being good, but the chemistry's there and it's put together well where there's not like oh two guys have rolled out of the ring so the other guys mm. can wrestle they kept yeah. it moving and swapping a lot and I, there's a I really good like bit too where like so sting has got ddp in a sharpshooter but hogan hits the leg drop on flair so sting because he um hogan goes for cover breaks the scorpion deathlock just so he can break up a pin like it's actually really really smart work yeah I, f I do feel like this match in the grand scheme of WCW and to go back to some, some of Simon's points was a little too little too late. 
Yeah. Because, as you said, Hogan is the super baby face. Sting is the Sting that we kind of still see now in AEW. Um, and obviously, DDP was always the mega face anyway. But, like, I think they always, because of, you know, the guys that were, they were main eventing were moving on, I think they needed all these multi-mans and not just straight singles like they always wanted to do. Mm. And the multi-mans just always seemed to work, but it was too little too late because, what, in 18 months, this company doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. And they, they did put the belt on the new guy, which is DDP, who's also kind of old. 42. Already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll say a credit to DDP and to Hulk Hogan because at one point, DDP does the Bret Hart figure four around the post to Hulk Hogan. Mm. A little detail. So when DDP is about to drop and put the pressure on, Hulk Hogan grabs DDP's leg. And I noticed that because Bret Hart has made the point that at Starcade when he injured himself against Goldberg, he knocked his head doing that to Goldberg first before the kick. And he blames Goldberg for not holding his leg on the way down. Because supposedly he told him, you have to protect me and hold my leg. Otherwise, it's a straight drop and I'll hit my head. Hulk Hogan, yeah. though, knows that. And he helped DDP safely. So yeah. anyone who says Hulk Hogan isn't a good worker or doesn't know how to wrestle, come on. Yeah. 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 He knows what he's doing. If, if anyone also uh, doesn't believe that he's a real stand-up guy, look at how he leaves the match so he doesn't have to be involved in the finish. <laughs> what a genius. <laughs> Brother knows like, how to look. protect his brand. I love that Hulk Hogan, even if it's a four-way and he doesn't even have to get pinned, is like, mm, I'm still losing, though. What if I just leave because yeah. I'm injured? And that doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> great selling, though. Of course, Hulk Hogan, one of the best sellers of all time. His sell of the injury, though, if you don't know now that, like, oh, it might have been a work, it looked as real as you can get. And having yeah. old man Bischoff... Who yeah, at this 99 point isn't Bischoff. Dying his hair. Bischoff <laughs> looks pathetic here, and he would look better later on again. But just disheveled yeah. Bischoff made it look real too, like he wasn't camera ready. 99 Bischoff as well. When you see him like this, and then you know what you know now, if like, oh, you weren't long for this company, my friend. Oh. It makes all the sense here. But and now got... I just want to say, also talking about good psychology, because shockingly, there was a lot of it in a four-way match. DDP really smart once Hogan is taken out. Flair and Sting go at it. DDP just hangs back in the corner. Why would he break it up? Let them yeah. fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, DDP, like, this is this is definitely his coming out party here uh, for obvious reasons. There is a, uh, a... How about that double sleeper hold as well, too? So, so basically... Sting has got um Sting's in a sleeper hold by Ric Flair and then DDP then puts a sleeper on Rick and then Sting just drops into a jawbreaker to take out both dudes. It's it's so good. It was great and also Macho Man selling that moment and other moments. He was a good subtle special referee which Subtlety isn't something you would normally no. describe Randy Savage as. No, by the really Jack Tan dude in the sunglasses. <laughs> but he would just give like little, and again, he's got sunglasses. You can't even really see his facial expressions, but he would do these little movements to the crowd, like when something like that would happen, like, oh my God, I can't believe they're doing a double sleeper or like, whoa, you know, this guy did that. Like, it was really good. Yeah. And even doing the double counts when two guys would be knocked down. Mm. Yeah. It was great. Everyone played I their part. I did like towards the end when he started doing the double count and then he just like looked at the crowd and was just like, no, no, no. I just waved it off at like five because obviously he didn't want to go to six. It was great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
There was a good one. There was a good one too. When um, so Flair has got the figure four on Sting. Sting makes it to the ropes, and then Randy Savage just goes, "Nah!" Kicks blatantly <laughs> kicks Sting, <laughs> kicks Sting, uh, arm off the rope, drags Macho and um, puts Flair in the middle of the ring, then does the flying elbow onto him. Picture perfect too. Even middle age, uh, midlife crisis Macho is still able to nail it. Picture perfect. Uh, Diamond Cutter on Flair and DDP gets his first world title win and to a phenomenal pop. And then we go to black. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a bit of a shame that DDP didn't, you know, that the pay-per-view ran, ran long. Look, at least he got his main event in and they didn't cut it off like, you know, Halloween <laughs> Havoc with Goldberg. But he wins mm. the belt and they cut so quick. Like they were on the edge of running out of time. Still yeah. a great moment. And I never really thought about it, but looking back, it's really cool and a poetic moment that uh, DDP's first world title win, Randy Savage is the referee and Randy Savage is handing him the belt because that was DDP's first main event feud. Randy mm -hmm. Savage put him on the map. And yeah, just to bring it full circle again, it was really fun. What a stupidly fun match and just kind of a, a nice surprise. I don't remember it being good. So now it's on the list. Another great WCW match and show. And I was going to add a superly fun pay-per-view. Yeah, really sums it up. And let's go through uh, what we thought was the MVPs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, who do you reckon was the MVP? Because it was a tough one uh, for me to for me to sort of pick because everything there was. You have an argument that everyone was good. It was it was an all around. There wasn't a one person that stood out. Everyone delivered. I am going to go with the WCW booking committee. <laughs> uh, putting on a really good show and for surprising me 25, 24 years later mm. um, and for making up, not making up for, but, you know, hatching up the past few months of terrible pay-per-views. So I'm giving my, <laughs> I'm giving my, to the booker man, to uh, the booking committee of WCW. Mm. That's probably a good pick because they're probably never going to get that award again. So no, never. Oh, never. oh, I know. It's a slippery slope for me. But yeah. it also means I don't have to pick anybody because the show was that good. Yeah. yeah. it's a On a similar one. vein, on a similar vein, I'm going to go with the commentary team because, like you said, Simon, they were firing in all cylinders. They they explained matches when there was some, when there was some holes in logic uh, in some of the matches. They filled it in really, really well. Like, the no DQ, any botches, stuff like that. They just, everyone was on the same page for this pay-per-view. Yeah, and they never derailed each other. Everyone played their part to the best version of that. Tony was a great, you know, straight man for most of it. Tanae brought the knowledge. Bobby Heenan brought, of course, the comedy, but also lots of, like, old-school pro wrestling logic, as he would do in WCW, was kind of the tweener role there. A great show. Everyone killed it in the ring. Um, everyone killed it on commentary. Uh, it, what a show. I really can't believe it. This has to be the last gasp of WCW quality-wise. I am not expecting to see a show this good again, but who the hell knows now? I think I think we're surprised a little bit because if I recall correctly, I'm sure that, that Mayhem 99 is good because that's the one where Bret Hart... Um, Bret Hart and Benoit get to the finals okay. of the WCW World Title oh, it's Tournament. in Canada. Yeah. Okay. That that's that's like that's like the last hurrah of WCW pay-per-views that I can remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, because this is that weird year where they try to turn Sting heel as well. Mm. 
Um, so I'll, I'll tell you what, Owen, you are in for a hell of a roller coaster ride in '99 WCW. Like, oh no, um, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the card for Slambury, and I am um, sure is a show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> could be all. Let's down say that much. Down. Let's say that much. Can we but, just um, contrast this show to WrestleMania 15, one of the worst WrestleManias of all time, and we all had to relive it again? That did show... they pick up the rare W? I think WCW absolutely did. I think they did. Because WrestleMania 15 was billed as the raging climax, and it sure wasn't. It was more like, oh, I swear, it finished, never happens to me. Yeah, like, it, it finished in three minutes. Yeah, yeah exactly. See, now, um, I was I was thinking the same thing, too. However, if we're going month for month, are we going month for month here? Because this wasn't their March pay-per-view. Uh, oh, this is their April pay-per-view. Okay, and WWE has Backlash. Backlash I, next, yeah. I remember the main event of Backlash being amazing. I honestly don't know if the whole pay-per-view is going to stack up. I don't know the card yet, but... Because, unfortunately, uh, WCW's March pay-per-view was uncensored oh, 99. Well, okay. <laughs> but both, look, let's give a tie. A... They both sucked. Let's give, them a, let's give them a win here, because, like, it's it's we're coming up to some weird WWE pay-per-views, because you got Backlash, then No Mercy... No Mercy in the UK, which I don't think I've actually ever seen. Are we going to include that? We've done we've done UK pay-per-views. We'll we've done UK pay-per-views before. And also, I think we need to because I don't think we'll cover Over the Edge 99, uh, which is Good also morning. in May as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, Wow. Are we that close? Mm. Yep. 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 Damn. So, yeah. We got Backlash coming up next uh, for Reliving the War. That's That'll be coming up shortly. And then uh, we got Slamboree. Which uh, Owen, I can tell you right now, is a show as you as you yeah, just it looks said. like it looks like a wrestling show that existed. <laughs> but yeah, look, it's some very interesting months coming up. Ninety nine is really the powder keg when it comes to um, the Monday Night Wars because, as you've sort of seen in the past, on like there's some real good runs we could see WCW getting momentum. Uh, then you see WWF biting back. But 99 is the real one where they just sort of go blow for blow. Like, it goes back and forth a fair bit. Uh, so, that about wraps up another big edition of Reliving the War. Simon and I will be back for Backlash. We'll do that in a couple of weeks' time. And, Owen, get ready for Slamboree. That is coming up. But if you want to catch up on any of the archives, make sure you head to greywolfentertainment.net, greywolfent on the socials, and we'll catch you next time for another edition of Reliving the War. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.